0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself, or have it done for you. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. That participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last, offer ends eight thirty one twenty.
2: That little chico pit boomer Mister three hundred five, but I said Mister Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power.
0: Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. By now you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus is one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's free solo. The content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy award-winning animated series, The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals, like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, and high school musical, The Musical, The Series, a very meta take on the beloved film franchise. It's no wonder Disney Plus has become one of the most talked-about streaming services of 2019. So don't miss out. Sign up for Disney Plus now and start streaming all this great content today.
3: On today's Movie Talk, we're covering the SAG nominations, which came with a whole bunch of snubs and surprises. We're reviewing the new Jumanji movie, Jumanji The Next Level, and then we've got a batch of trailers to talk about, like maybe a movie I'm excited for, like Antlers. Hello and happy Wednesday everyone. Welcome to this Heroes and Villains sponsored episode of Collider Movie Talk. We are so excited to be here to show off all of their cool clothing and also to talk about these topics because we got a lot to get into today. There's a lot of things that I need to hit about these SAG nominations and I'm so excited to get to have that conversation with Scott Menzel and John Roca. What's up Hello. guys? Hello. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. You, you wear
3: that jacket well.
0: I, yeah it's one of the few uh, jackets <laughs> that I can Can wear well. It's not true. I always wear a good jacket. But I haven't taken this off for three days now since I wore it Monday morning. So I'm a massive fan of Star Trek. And this is such a well-fitting jackets.
3: I feel like we need to put in the request to the heroes and villains folks to make you a, a puffy vest.
0: Oh, a vest, I yeah. Miss,
3: I miss your vest look. My
0: girlfriend made me get rid of those vests. she <laughs> Did says, she really? Yeah, she goes, you're not a dad. She goes, stop wearing those things. And I said, I'm trying to live my vest life. And she's like, am not was, having it. That was not the first
3: it. thing that I ever, like, <laughs> yeah. associated with you was your red shirts and your vests. I loved my
0: vests. Oh, well, maybe one day.
3: Red shirt guy. Yeah, red shirt uh, that guy. That was that was your for a while. How you doing, Scott?
4: Good, good, good. Always happy to be here. Um, I don't remember the Vest days. I'm sorry. Yeah, No, no,
0: you came after the Vest days. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Sorry.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. They, they were the good old days. Yeah. Um, because I seem to be even more excited about it than you are. If you live in the Hollywood area, keep an eye out for a really cool billboard with that guy's name on it. No, I'm, I appreciate this. I didn't see it. I'm just so <laughs> I'm, excited about I it now. I have a photo and I'm going to show it to you I'm, later, but it's very, you. very cool. Thank you so much. All right. We got to get into this okay. stuff right now. But before we get there, if you do like any of this stuff we're wearing you can get some over on heroesvillains.com using promo code talk10 at checkout you get 10 percent off holidays are coming up keep it in mind all right SAG nominations. What we're going to do with this is we are just going to go category by category here because, I mean, scrolling through it right now, there, I think there's something to talk about in every single field. Mm. So let's kick it off with outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. Those nominations went to Christian Bale for Ford v. Ferrari, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, and Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. What... Made you happy to see on this list? What surprised you that it was missing? Take it away, guys.
0: What do you say, Scott?
3: I got a lot to uh, say. to let
0: you guys. You say? I honestly,
4: I honestly feel this is a good category. Uh-huh. I really do, and I'm glad that Taron got in mm-hmm. because I know there's been a lot of concerns in, in this award season whether people are going to forget about Rocket Man, and it's proven so far that people have not, yeah. and I'm very happy about that. Um, Joaquin. I'm of course, I'm ecstatic for uh, he's the one who I want to win the big one mm. at the end of the day. Um, I guess it's Adam Driver's missing from this. Is no, that, Adam Driver's is in there. there? So, okay.
3: so right so, now, for what it's worth, yeah. the, the the three who have gotten now SAG nominations, Critics' Choice nominations, and Golden Globe nominations are Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam uh-huh. Driver, and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Christian Bale and Taron Egerton have the Golden Globes, but not the Critics' Choice, but you know, for whatever that's worth as far as the road to Oscar goes. I think the yeah. big question for me yeah. here is now we've seen Robert De Niro's name omitted from the list twice at yeah. big ceremonies. What do you guys think oh, that means see, for his I road I keep to forgetting Oscars. about that
4: because I, I feel like whenever someone talks about the Irishman, it's either Pesci or Pacino. Right. I don't, and it's weird to think about that because De Niro is such a legend and this is kind of his wheelhouse. Yep. But- there's something about the performance that just doesn't stand out as much as the others. I think
3: that's something that's been the most surprising about nomination time the most, because I really did think that... De Niro, Pesci, and Pacino were all sure things for acting awards. And if anything, if I had to make a prediction of one to remove from the equation, I would think maybe Pacino or Pesci would cancel each other out in some respect because they're both in the same category. I thought De Niro was a lock.
0: Yeah, you would think. I mean, because of of, uh, just his history with the Academy – His sister was Scorsese, him coming back. And he is literally the Irishman, the (laughs) titular character of the movie. But I was speaking with my friend, Sarah, who works on the SAG Awards. And she said to me, "It's the conversation is, did he really do anything that he hadn't done before? Right. And I was like, no, you're right. That's actually a really good point. There's not this version of this character. We've seen him do versions of it in other films. There was nothing really that stood out. No. Can you think of one scene where you're like, wow, De Niro really killed it in that scene in that movie? Not really. In fact, ironically, I would think Anna Paquin had some powerful <laughs> moments not saying a word yeah. in her moment. And when she, when she actually spoke, those are actually more powerful than anything you'd see with De Niro throughout the film. I echo your... Haggarton thing a thousand percent. Maybe my ballot because I'm still a SAG member got lost in the mail. Kelvin Harrison, I wanted to be because <laughs> oh, yes. it's an all white yeah. category with all these nominees. So to me, I would have liked to have seen Kelvin get in there. But that being said, you can't argue against anybody on this list. They all did wonderful wonderful performances in those films.
3: I would definitely agree with that. If I was making this list myself, though, Kelvin Harrison Jr. would be on, probably for Loose, because Loose is one of my favorite movies of the year, and I do love Waves quite a bit as well, but I think that would have been a supporting performance. Other names missing from the list, Antonio Banderas, Eddie Murphy, and then the other one that I would definitely put on this list, who I am rooting for this award season big time, is Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. Uh, There's a performance where I think you could say he's never done anything like that when you look at how he carries that movie it really is something else and i think it deserves to be recognized but i look at this list and it's like who would i take off to make room for him this is
4: a strange year because i feel like the male category is i hate to say this but it it is i feel is is so strong compared to the female one i feel like when you come to the actress category like even in terms of the qualities of the film that they're in the the actors are just stronger
3: I will strongly and disagree with that you statement. Yes, <laughs> I will. Okay. I mean, well, not to bleed into some of the other categories <laughs> yeah. right now, mm. but I think one of the biggest snubs of all of the SAG, nom- SAG nominations 2020 is the omission of Little Women. Yeah. I think that is absolutely absurd. You want a whole bunch of strong female performances? Lead for Sersha Ronan, yep. Florence Pugh for supporting should have been a must. She should be a must on every single list. She is a scene stealer in yep. that movie. But really, go down that entire ensemble. Even even when they have less screen time, like let's say in Emma Watson, I still think she makes them, and Elizabeth Scanlon, they make the most of what they have in the movie, and I think I, they up what's in the script.
4: I completely disagree. Wow. I, I actually think that movie is the most basic Oscar movie you can ask for. In, wow. in every way. Yeah. Wow. I think I think it's Sorcerer Ronan, Meryl Streep, all those actors in that movie, those actresses who are so talented, could do those performances in their sleep. I think they're so basic in every way, and I'm not. I'm not surprised. I, I know. I know a lot of people really like this movie. Yeah. I think, and you, I think I, the I movies real. I think the movie works as an Oscar film and a period piece. But what is different about this Little Women compared to, like, say, the one from '94? It's okay, so better. I
3: am. I am coming at it from a different perspective. I've heard many people say what yep. you just said, Roka, but. I have actively avoided all forms of Little Women my entire life because I thought that that story wouldn't be for me and finally now because of what I do I really had no choice yes, but yes, to yes. see this Little Women movie and I, I fell in love with it so much mm-hmm. so that when I finish the audiobook I'm listening to now, <laughs> I'm finally going to listen to that one. But, you know, with, with the statement you just made, I think you could apply the same thing to, let's say, a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a movie with a whole bunch of famous people in it who have had Oscar nominations and wins before. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's about the movie-making industry. It's, it's the same thing. And really, that kind of sentiment could be applied to a lot of things we're talking about right now. Yeah, and it's a good point. Same thing about Irishmen. I was just going to say oh, yeah. that. No, Irish, Irishmen
0: Irishman. And, and
4: Once Upon a Time, yeah. definitely. The, the thing yeah. that makes, for, I mean, Once Upon a Time, I will tell everyone a very funny fo- story. My wife, as well as my mom, a uh, big fan of Hollywood movies, okay. they, we tried to sit down and watch Once Upon a Time. Halfway through it, they're like, Where is this going? I'm not interested. Turn it off.
0: Yeah, that's been, <laughs> and, and they released yesterday the numbers. And apparently the numbers were lower than Bird Box. So if that's true, if that's true, that's an even stronger indictment against the movie. But that being said, I think you make a great point, Perry. And let me echo the point even more so than Perry. I'm even less the audience for Little Women, and I thoroughly loved it and couldn't believe how much I was enjoying the movie. And I hear what you're saying, though, but I don't think that's a negative, you know, that, that it's an Oscar movie yeah, this is what it goes for. This is what the Oscars usually go for. This is why it's surprising as a snub because you would think they would have done this. I don't think it's, I don't think it's even nominated for a best ensemble. No. And that's insane to me. And I found out this morning that it's not even nominated for the Costume Designer Guild Awards yeah. for its costumes like what are we talking about why do we, and then, and then I've seen this narrative online now that people are saying that the votes are going for bombshell over little women like it was between those two and the votes are more going towards bombshell and I'm like if that's true that makes no sense well, to me at I, all.
3: Well, I kind of understand where yeah, that yeah. kind of comment comes from. Yeah. They're so like I don't like Completely it doesn't, doesn't compute that way. Yeah. But just bleeding right now into <coughs> the uh, into the lead uh, actress category mm. here because we're kind of talking about it now. The nominees there are Cynthia Erivo and Harriet Scarlett Johansson for A Marriage Story, Lupita Nyong'o in Us, Charlize Theron in Bombshell and Renée Zellweger for Judy. So one of the interesting things, I think, with the uh, the, the uh, female actor in a leading role category is I look at some of them and I think that some of these performances are better than the movie overall, and I would mm. apply that comment to both Cynthia Erivo and Renee Zellweger, even though I really, really love Judy overall, I could see how the rest of the movie doesn't compare to the quality of work that she delivers. Yeah. And then the one that I would probably remove here is, I think... I'm tempted to take out Charlize Theron, even though I really, really liked Bombshell, because I am a little uh, sore that both Saoirse Ronan and Aquafina mm. were not included on this list. And the
0: Farewell's another snub throughout oh, the SAG, yeah. throughout yes. the whole yeah. SAG list, yeah. uh, absolutely. So, yeah, great point you bring up there, Perry. It's surprising to see what they went for, what they didn't go for, especially when you see The Parasite crew being nominated for Best Ensemble, so clearly they had their eyes <laughs> on all the films, so for whatever reason *Aquafina* didn't come through. I'm Arivo, this is an interesting thing that's happening now. This is on the heels of the Golden Globe Awards nomination now. Does this give her a possible inside track to an Oscar nomination I think, for Harriet?
3: I think both Cynthia Arivo and also Lupita Nyong'o mm. oh, are, yeah. it's like for for me they were kind of on the cusp of maybe getting in, and right. I like the fact that they're both making a little bit of noise now, and maybe that could actually pave the way to a very successful award campaign yeah. for both. But just to finish the comment that I started at the beginning of that one and it never fit, because I was going to compare it to the best actor field where I think you've got two movies that maybe the movie overall isn't going to get a lot of love but that single performance Well, whereas when I look at Ford v. Ferrari, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Rocketman, and Joker great performances and great movies around right.
4: them yeah. Right, and that's, that's kind of the point that I was trying to make is that I've seen a lot of really strong female performances, but then I watched the movie and I kind of feel the movie's a little bit less than mm-hmm. the performance is given.
3: Did you see Wild Rose? Yes. Should Wild Rose be on? I, I, know, I know it doesn't really have a chance because no one's no, really talking about it, it but should it be on the list? Because there's a movie, For I think- For her, again. But, but the movie itself, I still think is great.
4: It's, it's too much like Star is Born. It's too much like Star is Born.
3: How How so? Because I feel like you could apply that statement to just about anything about someone who is trying to achieve a dream at the expense of another portion of their life right. and, you know, dealing, dealing with all of that. I feel like you could apply that to just about yeah, anything. I mean,
4: the thing is, just like with A Star is Born, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of interesting because I don't think anyone expected um, Jesse Buckley to, like knock it out of the park, same way that Lady Gaga knocked it out of the park with her voice and like the amount of emotion and, and depth to her character. But the thing is, is that the story just, and I, I didn't love, love, love Stars Born either because mm-hmm. I felt like the, the story has been done before. It's very generic. And this is why, like, what I've noticed is becoming more and more of a problem within Hollywood is that we're getting movies that are, are about like this performance. And there's, there's something that's happening where, where the storytelling is not. Not as strong. And I Mm -hmm. feel like it's a very basic generic story that we've seen done before, like you were pointing out. So may I ask you a question?
3: Um just in your opinion, it doesn't have to be awards worthy or not. What is your favorite original story that you've seen in twenty nineteen that you think we've never seen done that way before?
2: uh, I I'm
3: just curious like what kind of stories really stand out to you in that
4: respect. I I mean I think one of two of the best scripts of the year is Parasite and Knives Out. Yes. Mm. Yep, without question. Sure, Because, I mean, whodunits have been done before. But what what Rain Johnson was able to do with that movie, not only did he bring it into a modern time and create new characters, but he was able to incorporate all this crap like immigration that's going on in such edgy topics – and incorporate in there to give it a fresh, unique vibe. And Parasite manages to do three different genres in mm. one, and every single one works. Okay. It still speaks Very to class structure yeah. and
0: wealth and poverty I, stuff. like' all, yeah, it's still speaking to all those issues as well. Yeah, absolutely.
3: What are you thinking about this category, Roka? I like
0: the category. I think it's a strong category. Certainly a lot of strong performances. I think you make a good point, though, Scott. I mean, we saw this with Blindside and other things down the road. Sometimes these... Films are built around an actress and the film itself doesn't necessarily rise up to the best level. It certainly happens on the male side. I I would contend that with Lincoln. I've said that and I know Perry's coming around on it but for me, Lincoln I think is uh, not a great. Don't, you said this the other day don't on Monday.
3: Yeah, I mean, I haven't rewatched it yet. Well, no, I'm saying you,
0: you might be coming <laughs> around it, but like Lincoln, I and mean, to me, that <laughs> film is not as good as the performance, right? Right. And the same thing, like I say, Blindside with Sandra Bullock. I think there are some things that are some films that are constructed to highlight the actress, and in an effort to either like give her the next step up in her career, or possibly go for an award or challenge her as a as a, as a performer. And so it gets highlighted that way, and the film suffers in comparison sometimes because they don't spend as much time as they did building up that character, and so that could end up biting the film in the butt in the, in the long run and,
4: and that's what i love you know to, to your point about like let's say an uncut gems yeah. or a farewell is that the supporting cast in that film minus adina for uncut gems because i thought she was terrible in that movie um but like julia fox and adam sandler in that in, in uncut gems are great and like julia is so unexpected to be, you know, sit side by side with Sandler and really just elevates the film too. And then you got Farewell. It's like the entire Mm. cast, like the the, the grandparents, everyone works in that movie. Mm. So that's a film that, that those are two examples of films where you have actors who really elevate the movie and the story. And it isn't just about one single performance.
3: I'm trying so hard to not go back to the Adina Menzel comment right now. I mean, that's that's what makes these conversations so interesting, though, is sometimes you Mm. are more inclined to look at a film as an ensemble piece. And sometimes they are designed to support a lead performance above all else. But really Mm. briefly, so wait, (laughs) Lincoln. So you—I just want to make sure I'm clear on your stance. You think that his performance is better than the movie overall. Yes. Okay, no, no, no. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying I didn't love Lincoln the first time (laughs) I saw it, and someone was recently convincing me to give it another go.
0: Yeah, Lincoln is my second favorite president ever, and yet it's still not a film I go back to and watch ever, except to see his— Performances or his scenes, but not see the overall movie.
3: Just curious. Now now that we all know where we stand on Lincoln. Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to uh, (laughs) Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Supporting Role. We've got Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's just start with that first one, which I think is a surprise of the category. Mm. Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy.
4: Should be Sterling K. Brown. Oh yeah, for waves. I can't
3: comment on Just Mercy because that's one that I still have to watch. It's but just Mercy. Mm. I'm, I'm a I'm very a
0: very
3: I'm a very big fan of, <laughs> of waves. Billboard. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this one, Robert? Uh, I,
0: li- I like the fact that <laughs> Jamie was nominated. I'd heard. You know, doing reading about Just Mercy, that this is one that they were looking to get some, uh, uh, awards buzz around because maybe the overall movie isn't as great, but his performance might be fantastic. So I'm not surprised to see it in here. I'm happy to see it. The Joe Pesci, uh, um, uh, uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino thing bothers me on so many levels because, <laughs> like, it's either one or the other. Do you know why? what I'm saying? I feel like it's either one or the other. And you got to make a decision. There's and such,
3: I, I feel like we should make a decision. are distinct roles, though. They, they, I yeah. think you could be you could be awarding them this honor for two completely different reasons. But just because they're in the same movie. No, but I would argue deal. the
0: Pacino is the same thing I made the argument <laughs> yes. about De Niro. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing Pacino yeah. does in here that he hasn't done in other films that <laughs> doesn't. But, but, why, but why, Pesci is incredible. Why obviously. does that
3: have to be a roadblock? You know, it's not like the definition of getting an actor acting award is like do something that you've never ever even touched before i mean there's a reason mm. the irishman came together in such an exciting way it's because it was faces familiar to this sort of filmmaking jumping back into it mm. but then taking it to the next level by making it a true epic that covers decades of their lives
0: well like i liken it to sports and i don't want to make too much of a detour but like to for like tom brady is the best quarterback in the nfl consistently every year yet he doesn't win the mvp every year but he is one of the best but there's no way that team would be as good without him on it. It's only when he rises above the numbers we've already accepted that he becomes in contention for the MVP again. And that's to the way I look at actors. No, no, not telling a story. <laughs> yes, he is. Every time he gets on the field, see the win or lose. Right. But I mean, with 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 actors, it's the same. Once you've accepted that actors at a certain level. <laughs> You, and they've been at it for decades at a certain level. You want to see something new and distinct and different. It's, gonna, it's like with uh, Uncut Gems. Like you say, you saw some... Sandler's only touched drama twice, maybe, with Rain Over Me and Punch Drunk Love. But Uncut Gems... That's something new. That's a tool. That's a tool in his drama box that I haven't seen before. But with so I like, wow. But okay. with that
3: mentality, essentially you're saying that if you are lucky enough to have a very lengthy career, we're essentially gonna start narrowing your chances to get awards it's because life. you've done all of these things. No, sure. it's not though. I think
0: I feel that that's I th- I think a f- if you, fair barometer. No matter
3: what you've done, if you've delivered a jaw dropping performance in any one single movie, no matter what genre, no matter what you've done in the past, mm-hmm. I think you are in consideration, in consideration. for some sort of of nomination. Absolutely
0: in consideration. It doesn't mean you should get it. Right? Uh, Hopkins is fantastic in Two Popes. Nobody's talking about Hopkins. Well, he, yeah. He, and he is incredible in that movie. Oh, he he delivers he the is. standard, phenomenal Hopkins performance. No one's talking about. It. I fear because two popes.
3: Well, that and also I fear because, like, there's there's a whole lot of factors here. I, I don't think it devalues any of the things we're bringing up. Oh, but absolutely. it's like with two popes, for example, you have to consider the fact that Netflix also has very heavy hitters in The Irishman mm. and Marriage Story, and it feels like maybe a little more is behind those two projects rather than, let's say, two popes yeah. or Dolomite oh, is my yeah, name, hundred percent. So that that could be the case too. I mean, my
0: two popes, is essentially, like my dinner with Andre. Uh, at the at the Vatican that's essentially that for two and a half hours but I will tell you one thing to both of you and I'll admit it here uh I was not as wowed by marriage story as everybody else it's one of the biggest surprises in the awards season as, as 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 I just didn't find it as as compelling as everyone had pitched it and yes the Kramer versus Kramer thing was really tough to let go of as I was watching it but I thought uh Driver was great. I thought Johansson was great. So I appreciate them being nominated. The Laura Dern thing is shocking to me because oh, I yeah. think she's better in Little Women with what she does she's than good. she is in Marriage Story.
3: She's quite good at both.
0: Mm. She, Of course. But once again, it's a level. What's the one that I think is distinctly different?
3: Well, I think also sometimes it's, uh, you know, that's why it's difficult to get in without a showy scene or a showy performance. But she's got that moment in Marriage Story. And I yeah. just remember people yeah. walking out of that movie yeah. at Tiff. It Everyone was talking about that. Mm. Yep. Everyone was talking about it.
0: You mean in the in the uh, uh, in the conference room, or do you mean on the couch?
4: There's there's two. Are okay, we talk, who are you talking about? You the talking Lord, about Dern. Lord Dern. There's two that she has. some okay. really great moments. Okay, I think the. The one in the conference room. Yes, yeah. really the strongest
3: that, one. That's a powerful. That one. was yeah. what I was referring to, right. but I could see how you could make a case for both being, you know, the potential Oscar clip in the yeah. end. Mm. All right. I do want to. Can,
4: can I say something real quick? Because yeah, yeah. we talked about *Just Mercy*. Um, you know, I that was a movie where I I, I saw at Toronto, and I had this this one feeling about it, and this is very important to to omit, is that I had this feeling of being in the premiere and seeing what the movie stood for and seeing all the filmmakers and everyone kind of talk about the film and how passionate they were about it. And I really felt this sense of emotion when I was watching it and hearing everyone speak Mm. the next morning I woke up and and this is why you shouldn't tweet right after a movie. Uh, The the next morning I woke up and I literally forgot almost everything about it. Mm. And I said, wow, that was horribly generic. Uh, but I do want to give Rob Morgan the mm. shout out for that movie because he is without a doubt the ste- uh, scene stealer of that film. And I feel like he's not getting any talk whatsoever.
3: Just on a different, on a different topic than awards because yeah. of what you just said. I think that's why you should tweet after movies. I think the idea of just like how, how a movie evolves for someone, the longer they sit with it is a fascinating process. I mm. think that, the value of someone's immediate reaction after walking out of a movie is is part of criticism. It's like, I want to give you guys the sense of how I feel immediately after I saw that mm-hmm. thing. But then when you reassess in the morning, that's another layer to the review process. Just like movies that I saw that I thought I loved at the very, very beginning of the year, all of a sudden they're slipping down on my top 10 list to well below that. And it's, it's interesting to revisit those early movies and compare them to the ones I'm super high on right now and mm-hmm. just see how they change. As long as, they as you can with be me.
4: As long as you can admit that you were wrong or that your feelings oh God, changed because it. some people really struggle with that. There's a lot of people who like think like once they tweet or once mm. they say something, no. that's fact and they have to stand no, by it.
3: That's, that is the coolest thing about movies is how we grow with them and yeah. how, you know, you could watch, like just a random example, you could watch a movie with a big ensemble with a young ensemble and an older ensemble and as you age with it, maybe you're seeing things that you didn't see when oh, you yeah. were a kid. I don't, I just, loved that process. One of my favorite examples of admitting when, not, not necessarily when I was wrong, because I know I felt this way when I first saw it, but I remember seeing The Invitation at South by Southwest at its midnight premiere. And I walked out and I was like, ugh, like, I re- like I strongly disliked it. I was miserable after that movie. Then all of a sudden I sat with it and I started to <laughs> think about it. And mm-hmm. then it became available to own and I obsessively watched that movie that year, and I still do the same thing today. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, ju- it was a complete change. That's so, yeah, that amazing. was just one example. It's okay if anybody feels that way. Yep. All right, where are we at now? Um, okay, we're at a <laughs> – this is going to be our whole show. Outstanding performance by a female Sorry. actor in a supporting role. Laura Dern, of course, for Mm. Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Nicole Kidman for Bombshell, Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. So the only person on this list who didn't get a Golden Globe nomination and a Critics' Choice nomination or or a Critics' Mm. Choice nomination is Nicole Kidman. So do you think Nicole Kidman was kind of the wild card in this category?
4: Uh very strange i think even when you watch the movie and i and i and i like the movie she's the weakest of it she has to this is a weird thing because i'm like keep going you mean back, the weakest storyline the or weakest performance no she has the weakest performance but the strongest yeah. storyline yes yes and, and it's like it's like it's all like it's like a theme this episode for mm. me um where like mm. I, I was so interested in that story and yet her performance just felt so flat Mm. and so, you know, when you compare it to Margot and you compare it to Charlize, it just seemed like she was just, she was there saying the lines and didn't disappear into the category, uh, into the character. I mean, Charlize Theron in that movie that I think the reason is is that she disappears in that. And and I'm just like, Oh, it's Nicole Kidman saying some interesting storyline. I don't know.
0: I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I loved all three of their performances But I'm glad that Nicole Kidman is getting some love, actually, because I think the movie, as much as I love the movie, I think the movie kind of undercuts her a little bit by making it her story initially. And then we move Mm -hmm. full force Mm -hmm. into uh, Charlize Thorne, Megyn Kelly's story. And I thought that was a bit of a disservice to Gretchen Carlson and her story, which is the genesis of this whole thing. And so I'm glad to see Nicole Kidman because sometimes because she's not playing the flashier role, I see why you feel this way I don't agree with you I think she underplayed it logically because she knew these two had the showier parts in the script so I have to play her more solid I have to play her more stronger I have to play a different color to stand out and it led to a SAG nomination at least whether it's A great performance or not or a worthy performance or not we'll find out but i think i'm i'm happy she's getting recognized because i think she is damn good in the movie i
4: think what's interesting about this is and and this is how i what i felt upon researching the movie Mm. afterwards is that exactly like you're saying nicole kidman's character is based on someone who's true and really is part of the big investigation as to why this movie was even made in the first place and all the stuff against roger roger ailes right to me, having Margot Robbie in the movie with a character that is a collective group of voices right, is, right, right. is more problematic, and I think she should have been the second. She should have been the one who got the least amount of focus. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah, I agree. And
4: so that's where my problem is with mm-hmm. with that. So I felt like again, her performance was a little bit too understated. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to see her a little bit raised up a little bit. And Margot, I feel like, was too much at the forefront, and she should have been pushed to the side a little Mm
3: bit. I think uh, because they also got the the ensemble nomination, you could tell that SAG is just very high on bombshell. I'm just completely distracted that my... Not that any of these individuals aren't deserving, but I'm so distracted by the fact that my number one pick in this category right now, Florence Pugh for Little Women, is nowhere to be... I really... Like, I don't, I don't quite get it unless it's a situation where... I forgot what movies we were talking about this same point uh, for mm-hmm. in previous years, but maybe it was an issue of little women hitting theaters later in the year and not enough people saw, I don't know, like, well, I, I just genuinely do not understand how you have such an epic ensemble and it gets no recognition at SAG.
0: could just be that people just didn't want to see it. Like, it could just be that people on the voting committees just weren't like, "Well, oh, little women, I don't want to see a film about 18th century things. You know like, what it was? Over over you know again. what
3: it was, just Maybe. to clarify, I remember in recent years, it was something with Annapurna not getting Beale Street screeners oh, to folks in time. Time. that's yes. that's what the situation was. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if the same thing has happened here. I don't here. Think I don't, so. don't want to make any uh right. put any assumptions out there, but I'm just tr- I'm trying to figure out why that movie was so unacknowledged. here. Well,
0: maybe because the Oscar nominations come later, it will get some love possibly directing Which... or uh, is worth acting,
3: yeah. also worth pointing out here yeah. because we're always talking about, you know, do Golden Globes predict the Oscars? We know that conversation and how yeah. it goes. And SAG isn't necessarily a one-for-one one either. Mm. SAG is an enormous guild, many of whom do not vote for the Academy Awards. So mm. we can't necessarily look at this list and say, hey, that person's a guarantee. I think what's going to kind of put things into focus is when we narrow down the winners because yeah. the winners will yeah. likely go on to have some Oscar success. Are you right.
0: surprised by the um, actress from the farewell, the older actress not being nominated. Not when I was scrolling down, down the list okay. and
3: Aquafina wasn't on it. Yeah. The second okay. I saw that, I'm like, all right, well, that's the end of that one. I'm yeah.
0: also surprised
4: about the lack of love, just in general, over the last couple of days for Waves. A- yeah. I mean, it just, I just feel like the film itself was su- such. Such a film filled with powerful performances across the board. I didn't think there was a weak link in that movie. It's in such terms- a
3: true ensemble piece too. That's where they where like it was one of those situations where they all rise together and mm-hmm. they all strengthen each other's already great performances.
4: And it's like it's interesting because in almost all of the critics groups there's like either a breakthrough award or like see her award. Kelvin and, and Taylor Russell are getting those like mm-hmm. everywhere. You know, and I'm kind of like, come on, these these are yeah. great young and up and coming actors who kind of deserve to be recognized for their work in this movie because it's it's so emotionally draining both those performances and they're so radically different. Mm-hmm. They're polar opposites in a lot of ways and they both work
3: Hand in hand. And I think Trey should be getting more uh, more acknowledgement for making that work. I mean, the, the, sh- the shift in that movie and the fact that it works well and it's so powerful and meaningful at the end, I mean, that that's yeah. a real storytelling achievement yeah. there. All right. Before we uh, move on, we do have... To, oh, we have two more categories, actually. Outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. Those nominations are Bombshell, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I'll get this out of the way because I'm going to sound like a broken record now. Where is Little Women? But more more so even here, where is Knives Out? That's I, the big one. After the Globes, I just... I, like, again, I know the Globes aren't a predictor, but i really did think that all of a sudden we were going to see a big knives out wave amongst like the awards categories and the awards guilds and i I was bummed to see it not on this list
4: yeah oh i i couldn't believe it when i saw the list when i was driving in i was like how did knives out i mean there is no better cast this year at all because every, Mm. again you talk about big roles to small roles Everyone's fun, even the grandma. is <laughs> just fun in that movie.
3: Roka, anything on this list stand out to you?
0: Uh, no, Avengers Endgame. I mean, oh. look, I get that we're all <laughs> got to act all high and might and highfalutin about criticisms and awards and all this bullshit, but I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Avengers Endgame... He featured some incredible performances from some incredible actors and is getting no love. And guess what? Chris Evans is in both. So give me a break. (laughs) You got Tilda Swinton in one, for God's sakes. An incredible actress. So all of that, I just just think, I think some of these things get uh, snubbed uh, in a way that's unfair. And I think Avengers Endgame is an incredibly emotionally draining movie and phenomenally well done by everybody in that cast. You want to talk about a cast? Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. You know, Tom Holland, these are people who are doing incredible work outside of the MCU as well as inside the MCU. So I just think it's a it's a shame it wasn't nominated.
3: I do agree. I think what makes me feel better about this <laughs> hmm. category than most is I really wouldn't take like even though I'm not as high on let's say once upon a time in Hollywood as many others hmm. I still See why it's here, and I don't think I'd feel comfortable removing it from the list. If anything, for an ensemble category, hey, maybe you up the amount of nominations in something like this. Mm. I don't know, because then you get the way a movie like Waves in there, so I don't know. One could hope in the future there's more room.
0: Yeah. In That's a what I said on Monday like about doc- I mean, directors.
3: Well, even it has the, to expand. then, then that uh, conversation also goes into the Academy Awards. It's like an ensemble Academy Award seems like the right move, just like a casting mm. director one does too. And casting what about director. voice performances? Also, mm. what? Stunt? Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of producer, stunts, yeah. yeah, that's a very, a very, very good point too. I mean, yes, producers do wind up with the Best Picture award, but. Yeah, we need more uh, producing recognition, yeah. too. Yeah. But speaking of stunts, we do have this last category to hit here, and uh, it's a, a head-scratcher. <laughs> uh, we've got Avengers Endgame, Finally. Ford v. Ferrari, <laughs> The Irishman, Joker, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can see so confused by this category. I can see two (laughs) movies on this list that make sense to me. Can you guys guess which two they are?
0: Avengers Endgame makes sense. Yeah, and Ford vs. Ferrari, Ferrari, of course.
3: I don't. I don't. How about Joker? Look at those stunts! stunts. Whoa! And the the thing is, I'm so fresh (laughs) off of a Joker rewatch and. For the life of me, I cannot understand where that's coming from. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, <laughs> me Matt, neither. I, it's, I'm speechless. Yeah, Matt Donato was funny. He's like, wait, uh, Robert De Niro, he tweeted, Robert De Niro like tapping some dude in the face with his foot. Is yeah, <laughs> yeah. But John Wick 3 is not in this yeah, thing. Or Captain Marvel or Spider-Man or any of these. Other, Shazam. I mean, Shazam. If you're going to open the door to any of these uh, uh, superhero movies, a, at least cop out in the stunt court. Oh, yeah. like, the category. what
3: about even a movie like Crawl? Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I know people are rolling their eyes because yeah. I love horror, and maybe that doesn't belong in the wards conversation. But seriously, Crawl, when you look at the behind-the-scenes video yeah. of what it took to have the water burst through the house and just what the actors have to go through for something, like, that is deserving of some recognition. Absolutely,
0: Hobbs and Shaw, you get thrown in, and even we just saw Jumanji. Jumanji has yeah. way more yeah. stunts than Joker and, and oh, no. uh, Irishman and all these other films, so... Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, crazy. even elite
4: of Battle Angel,
0: yes. which I didn't, didn't like, but that that's a movie I to s- have.
3: I swear, people are already betting that I'm not going to watch it. Now is the time <laughs> for me to watch it. This is my weekend for cramming things in before the list is finalized. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I promise you, I promise you that you could check back in on Movie Talk on Monday, put in that live chat, Harry, what did you think of Alita? And I will have watched it. All right. We have to move on to our review. Right now, we are doing a review of Jumanji, the next level. Of course, this is the sequel to... Jumanji, the 1995 movie, and also Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. I seem to have a problem with calling this Jumanji 2 when technically it's Mm. Jumanji 3, but I've made like a little bit of a clean break. But here, it's basically the same concept all over again, where individuals from the real world wind up in Avatar bodies in the game, but... What they do here to make it a fresher story is Alex Wolf's character. He is growing up, and he's moved out, and he's off to college. He is not really fitting in over there, and he kind of longs for his friends at home and also longs for the powers that he had as Bravestone, yeah. so he decides to go home and boot up the game. There's a glitch in the game, and mo- more people than in the previous uh, movie are sucked into the game, and it <laughs> makes for what I call just like, role swap gold here. Mm. That's my favorite part of this movie, but what do you guys think?
0: I I enjoyed it. It certainly wasn't as good as the next level. I thought next level was such a unique uh, approach to this Jumanji property. And really captured the spirit and then also fleshed it out even more and made it even more fun, got the best out of the rock, really got the best out of the rock. Kevin Hart, natural chemistry. Kevin Gillen really stood out. And Jack Black, you remembered why Jack Black was such a lead for so long in these comedy films. So it was great to see this ensemble come together the way they did. And the young kids as well. Alex and all of them were fantastic. So you come into this sequel and you hope, okay, what can you do that's new? Oh, you bring in Danny DeVito and Danny Glover. Okay, let's see how this works. And for a majority of the beginning of the film, I think it does work. It drags a little bit in the middle, and just when it's starting to drag too much and you think it's going to sink the film, they make a decision about something, and that really brings some more life back into the movie. makes it for a great, at least a great exciting ending to the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not overall as good as the first one, but I still had a great time watching it.
4: Yeah, I I mean, I feel very similar to how you feel about it. It, it, I had such a fun time with the second film because it just looked awful. And (laughs) I went into it and I was like, there is no way this movie is going to be entertaining. And it wound up being one of the most entertaining films of the year. Mm. And just the chemistry between the four leads works. So when you go into the sequel, and I, and I got to give them credit, the trailers for this new one did not have the same effect that they had on the first one where I watched it and I was kind of like, this doesn't look good. I was like, oh my God, somehow this works and it works again. Mm. And there's just a lack of mystery this time around. And I feel like a lot of times when I was watching this film, I, I kept looking at... The, the direction and what was going on and saying uh, they tried to up the ante from the first mm-hmm. one. Okay, so this this seems a little bit more technical <laughs> a little bit more elaborate but it's not like it has more adventure but I don't feel like the, the laughs or the fun is as strong as it was in the first film. Mm.
3: So I think I feel almost the same exact way about this new one as I did the first. I don't really take to the big CG action set pieces. I don't necessarily think they dragged in either movie to the point that I was like, all right, I'm over this. What I love about these two movies and the concept, because as a big 1995 Jumanji fan, I was extremely sensitive when I found out how they were kind of uprooting that concept Mm -hmm. and modernizing it for this. But I really do think this is such a great way to give these incredible talents an acting challenge. I could probably watch hours and hours and hours of this foursome, now with Aquafina role swapping yeah. i don't need any of these mm. crazy set pieces just give me that because i truly couldn't get enough of that i
4: agree 100 yeah. percent. i think that's when the movie was the strongest yep. uh you know but i do realize that maybe that's something for us adults where the kids i think like the scenes with the monkeys and the ostriches right
3: very fair point so right, right. so
4: i think they like the action aspect of it to me i just wanted to watch them like that scene where they go in the water you know, and they wind up seeing that something happens, and they can change. I thought, like, I want that to happen to all the characters multiple, multiple times, yeah, yeah. and they can make a two-hour movie just on that.
3: One thing I also and want I
4: Fina's thing real quick with doing Dan Devito, brilliant. She did a better
0: she job was than something else. She did a better job than The Rock did, and I and I like that. I like seeing the two different versions of Devito interpreted that way. Uh, the, my, if I have any one like actual complaint, is they they present something at the beginning between the four young kids. That I think could have been explored a little oh, bit more yes. in the movie okay. and you have because alex wolf 's character is certainly the emotional fulcrum of this thing, and so what his he 's experiencing right so um, I wanted to see that. And we do see it kind of go to the end of the journey with the Danny DeVito situation because that's his grandfather, but we don't see the other stuff that was presented to us, mm-hmm. the issues between the kids, resolved mm-hmm. in quite the same way or as satisfying. I, I
3: definitely could have spent more time with them. And I think yeah. it speaks to how great of a real world ensemble that they put together. And, you know, that—that that is an area that I know that the draw of this is like crazy adventure in Jumanji, but... I think they've got a really great cast in the real world, yeah. and some of the stuff they've got going on amongst that group of friends is some real meaty stuff that yeah. gives the adventure more backbone than anyone would expect. Well, they,
0: uh, Roxy asked me, I Live, would you want to see a third one? I was thinking about it last night. Would I want to see a third one? Yes. And then it occurred to me, yes, but if... Those kids get as much screen time as their avatars, and maybe they're all in Jumanji at the same time somehow, some way, doing something, some adventure. That I could accept. But the movie comes full circle. Right, 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 right. right. So without giving anything away, it comes full circle. Maybe that's the way you make it happen in the real world, where they come out, the avatars come out, Along with, and that way The Rock can be The Rock. Kevin Hart can be Kevin. And so for the first time ever, we see what these avatars are actually like in the real world, not someone playing them. So that would be interesting.
3: All right. So quickly around the table, do you recommend that people see Jumanji this weekend? Yes. Yes. I I think that if you enjoyed that first one, you're going to have a good time with this one too. All right. We do have to move on. Finally, we have a a lot of stuff to tell you about on the Collider Video YouTube channel. Uh, First off, how about. A little FYC. Oh, it's later today. (laughs) We're going to have FYC for you with uh, myself, with Scott, with Jeff. And today we are talking about the Best Director category. So keep an eye out for that. Also, you got a brand new episode of Rumor Mill coming your way. Do we have a promo for that? I think we might. Nope, we don't. I'm getting the head shake. We don't. (laughs) Rumor Mill. Watch that later today. Also, we have a really cool Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker video up and running on the main channel right now. It is Think babies first but instead it's baby yoda's first oh, if you could no. witness a baby yoda first what would it be
0: eating ice cream
3: okay i like that
0: i don't understand the question
3: oh roca
0: if, if i could witness a baby yoda doing Do something, something yeah. for the first oh. time
3: <laughs> clearly you didn't watch the video we watching made. a
0: star wars movie
3: oh, oh. that's right? actually a really yeah. good answer yeah
0: watching a yoda for the first time in uh, uh empire strikes back yeah oh Watching, uh, see, I was thinking about merchandise. I
1: was,
4: I was thinking about merchandise for Disney. You know, yeah. like what, what would be a great thing to sell at the theme park? You know, they can sell two things at once: <laughs> baby Yoda doll eating ice cream, and then some ice cream cone to match the. Oh yeah. The well, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Thank you for those suggestions. If you guys want to see what the ensemble from Rise of Skywalker came up with, and they did come up with some pretty creative examples, the video is up and running on Collider.com and also the Collider Video YouTube channel right now. And before we move on to our final topic, we have to remind you this. episode is sponsored by Heroes and Villains. You can go on over to heroesvillains.com. So the cool thing is, we told you a little bit about this yesterday, leading up to the release of Rise of Skywalker, they're doing a different different, uh, promo on the site every single day. And today, they're giving out bundle packs at a much cheaper cost. And the thing is, you can get that bundle pack and then put Talk10 on top of it and get another 10% off at checkout so many great deals and we're going to tell you about a few more in the next two days as well all right last topic today is a whole bunch of trailers three of them we've got the final trailer for antlers the red band trailer for the grudge and the first trailer for the movie like a boss let's start out and get the, the negative out of the way first <laughs> which trailer did nothing for you
0: like a boss well, like a boss, <laughs> <laughs> like a boss.
3: I think it was because I went into this trailer with rock bottom expectations and I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not saying it's a great trailer or I think the movie's going to be hilarious, but I I smiled more than I thought I would. And there is something about any comedy with Rose Byrne in it that I'm going to give a chance.
4: Oh, she's she's earned it. Yeah, she's earned it. So I'm excited for her, but like. This is, I think, I don't think this is the first trailer. I think this is the first red band trailer. Mm. I think there was multiple other trailers for this. The movie just, for me, does nothing. And with that deadly release date of January 10th, (laughs) I have a really bad (laughs) feeling that it's not going to be good. But I'm hoping that it does something. Uh, I, I know you're gonna. this is going to be another shock for you. Uh-oh. I like the movie with uh, Kevin Hart and Josh Gad that came out in oh, the, January a couple years ago. Wedding Ringer? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I thought that movie was fun. So I'm hoping, again, it, it suffers from a bad trailer and ends up being something like that.
3: You never know. Do you apply that same thinking to the release date of The Grudge?
4: Um, I I c I can't say anything about the grudge. Okay, good oh. to know. Good to know. I can't uh, say anything. You're definitely
3: grudge. gonna say something to me after the show. Uh, Roka. Hey, uh, so you said this one didn't do anything for you either, this it, specific trailer. It feels
0: like the boss again, like Melissa okay. McCarthy's the boss, so I just oh. was like I don't know what I'm gonna get. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna get. I hope it's good. I'd love because I love Tiffany Haddish and I'm tired of seeing her on a run of films that don't <laughs> capture the public's attention or make money because this is an incredible talent that yeah. Tiffany Haddish is. So I'd like to see her do some stuff and it'd be fun and Maybe, um... Salma Hayek rides this kind of a Jennifer Lopez wave of, like, Latina actresses coming back that you remember loving in the 90s. Yeah, so, you so, know, you know what
3: cool she with, reminded cool me it. of in this trailer? What's I feel that? like it's going to be a similar performance to uh, Michelle Williams in uh, oh, I, yeah. feel pretty, I Feel Pretty, where it's just something so extreme that you can't help but to, Like, there's... I, <laughs> that is, that hands down, one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen, and I loved every mm-hmm. ounce of it. She should be nominated oh, She for that. Is the best part of that movie. Absolutely. Michelle She's so Williams so the best part far of that movie. Um, so, I guess if we're taking the grudge out of the no, no, I have
4: to say something about okay. the grudge real quick with the trailer. I love how, how it basically copied the It Chapter 2 campaign and just basically oh, took a scene mean. from the movie. The old lady. Yeah. The red hair come, the red kind of coming. Of like it's funny that
3: you say that because now that I'm thinking about it, it's even almost like a similar yes. framing. <laughs> yes, it is. Funny. Knock
0: on the door, okay. walk in the room. Yeah. The red said, head <laughs> talking to the old yeah, lady. Yeah,
1: and yeah, I
3: still found it effective.
0: Yeah. I like. I think antlers is the one, though. Yeah, antlers wow. is the one. Wow.
3: Ant- antlers looks like it could be. You know, I don't like pairing it down to a descriptor like this, but it looks like it could be the a quiet place of 2020 yeah. in a sense. And I think it's also because of release date timing and just what that film looks like. It could be that trailer was freaky. And I found the last few, tra- I can't remember how many we've seen mm. thus far, but I was very into the promo campaign as it was thus far. This one really does up the end. I'm, and I'm glad they're stopping here too. We've seen just enough. Now don't do any more keep uh, showing this one in theaters because this is one of those trailers that I think when it plays on the big screen, it's really going to unsettle a crowd and make you curious about what this mystery is.
0: Yeah, and it's not something he's done before, right? I'm looking at his resume here. Crazy Heart. Scott Cooper. Cooper, Sorry. Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mask, and Hostel. So certainly some very um, dark films that explore (laughs) some tough emotional territory, Mm -hmm. but this is something completely different, akin to Hold the Dark, it feels like that kind um, of vibe, right? Hold is that the, the yeah. film? The mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright has that kind of vibe to it, so it excites me on that level.
3: I guess because I've seen Hold the Dark, oh, okay. and I'm making certain assumptions about what antlers will will show and clarify, because Hold the Dark essentially clarified nothing along the <laughs> way. Um, but it, it was still a decent movie. But yeah. uh, the thing that I'm most excited—I was telling you a little bit, Scott, about this before we started—is I'm obsessed with Channel Zero, created by Nick Antosca, and he is—he's uh, the writer on this movie and anything he touches I will run straight to and it's it's funny too because channel 0 is a series that uses a different creepy pasta story for each each different season and the narration at the beginning of this felt to me like it had creepy pasta vibes I mean which is essentially the nature of a legend and hearing a legend passed on, but mm. all of that stuff about storytelling and legends and what you believe, I mean, that all ties into what he accomplished so well on that series. Mm. So I got all the faith in the world in this one.
4: Yeah. I think it's going to be incredible. And I, you know, I was excited also to see that, uh, Guillermo's involved with yeah. it, yes. which also gives it a little bit more of a boost of confidence too. I mean, <laughs> everything about this movie. So, seems like it's going to work really well. um, I'm very curious to see um, after this award season, and now that Disney is, is part uh, uh, well, is the full owner of Fox Searchlight, um, I've noticed that their projects for next year seem to be going in a very different direction so far. And I'm wondering if we're going to see more of a, a Fox Searchlight becoming a genre type type palette. Mm-hmm.
3: I would be open to that. The more the more creative possibilities we have yeah. out there, the better. <laughs> All right. We do have to say goodbye, but let's squeeze in one quick live chat question before we go. And this is a big question. I hope you guys are ready for it. Ready?
4: Okay.
3: <laughs> Yusan San Tran says, dear honored panelists... What did you eat for breakfast this morning? <laughs> Nothing. What? What? Nothing. No. I didn't eat any breakfast. Do you ever eat breakfast, or is that just like a regular thing?
4: Very rarely. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. On the weekends, I eat pancakes.
0: There you go. Okay. Okay. Go.
3: okay. You make up for it.
0: Yeah.
3: Roca, what did you eat for breakfast? Yeah.
0: Yeah. At the risk of being made fun of, I had a sausage egg and cheese McGriddle at the McDonald's. That's what there I did. All go. right. With yes. some orange juice. Yeah.
3: You know, it's not a bad thing. Every
0: once in a while, I have I McDonald's like, uh, a I feel like
3: my breakfast isn't all that impressive either because uh, all I ate was a was a protein bar. <laughs> <laughs> the, pa- the power went out in my apartment oh, right shit. when I was putting the, the show notes together. So I got all like crazy and then mm. I was delayed. And then all I had time to grab <laughs> was a protein bar. That happens sometimes. Either.
0: It's got a lot of drama, that apartment. It's not a cat throwing up. It's power going out. It's <laughs> oh. plumbing situations. You know, my,
3: a- my my router or modem or whatever the heck that box is, yeah. it's still working. It's still working. So cat vomit didn't kill it. That's good. <laughs> but, but maybe maybe it like uh, sent a power surge to all of, uh, all of the region. I don't know. Um, all right, guys. That's it. We're out of here. Scott Rocha, thank you so much thank for you. being thank here today. You. Cody in the booth and Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock. Thanks for your help as always. You guys know where to go after you leave this edition of Movie Talk. You should probably... probably... Probably watch the Baby Yoda video because I think it will put a smile on your face. And go on over to Collider Live. You do not want to miss their show today. Before you head on over there, though, like and share this episode of Movie Talk and plan to return tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. PT, for a brand new episode.